I am going to carry on. You, one of the strongest messages I've had. No, it's called The Design of Bible Supply. We're working on one series on Sunday and one series on Wednesday. So, you know, they may overlap a little bit. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19. Now let me say this first. Let's, let's just get ourselves straightened out here. Let's come to some truth and acknowledge it so that we can go forward. You can't, you can't fix it if you don't know it's broken. But the truth is, is we are not, you and I are not on the world's money system. Now that may be a surprise to you. We, we handle money for culture's sake. Because we don't like them turning the water off and stuff like that. Huh? But it's not who we are. Can we say that together first person? It is not who I am. We are not on the world's money system. Whatever system you're on, you depend on it, you transact it, and you wait for the outcome in that system. But we are not on the world's money system. So that just tells you that whatever system we're on is going to have different kind of criteria and rules and, uh, and ways of working. So the first thing we all need to know, we need to remember that we don't fight for anything that's in this world. It's already been given to us. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. So we're, we're not fighting for anything. We're not fighting for money. We're not fighting for a space. We're not fighting for a paid for house. We're not, paid, we're not fighting for a car or a truck or whatever you need. We're not fighting for anything because that's already been given to us. But in the world system, you have to fight. But we're not in the world system. We've already been delivered out of this system and in the kingdom of his, uh, his, of, of his dear son. So Romans 2, 4 said it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. It says repentance, but the word is change. It is the goodness of God that leads us to change. So we have to change. Because we were all raised in the world system. And we all still handle the world system. In, in our particular system, it's U.S. American dollars. It's not that way everywhere. Actually, it's not that way in a lot of places. But uh, God has a better system. So we've we got to establish this. God has a better system, but we're in both systems. We can work both systems. And your outcome or your, your good life will depend on which system you master. If you master the world system, then you're always about your stocks and your investments and your retirement. And you're, you're all about the interest rate going up and, you know, what the feds are doing and all that stuff. You, you, you're in that system. And so you've got to monitor it and navigate it. But when you're in the king system, the world, the world without end system, then it's already pre-managed. All you have to do is assent to it and say, I am in that. And then you follow through with that. And that's what y'all have done. Everybody in here is in the king's system. We, we acknowledge that we have to, you know, we have to pay our bills and, and we get paid in that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these... Nope, that's wrong. Here it is. Verse 19 in chapter 6. Fooled y'all, didn't I? Lay not for yourselves, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth... Where moth and rust doth corrupt. 
You had any of your treasures death corrupting and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up. So we're to be busy about something. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's say that together first person. For where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. Now, we talked about this last Wednesday. That is truth. That is truth. It's not negotiable. It's not like, well, if I do this or if I do that or if whatever. If you put a treasure anywhere, your heart will find it. The passion says don't keep hoarding. Remember, we spent almost all last week on that. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. So that gives us a good idea of what kind of treasures are the worldly treasures. Something that uh, can be stolen by, it can be acquired. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that, that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. And then verse 21, uh, excuse me, verse uh, 21, yeah. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. And so we said that you can steer your heart by making sure you put a good hold on your treasure. You can tell your treasure where to go before it has power over you. And you can say, I'm going to put my treasure here. And your heart will go there because you'll build on it. If you put it in a boat and say, I want to go to the lake every weekend and I've got all the boat magazines and I get all the, I've got all the latest this and the latest that, eventually your heart will go there and we, we can't even talk you out of the lake because that's where your heart is or anything like that. And uh, about that word hoarding that's in the passion, we, I said, the worth of a treasure is in its now value. The whole worth of a treasure is not like an investment that has value. It only has the value that you say it does when you transact it. It doesn't matter if you have a, an old Nissan and you say, Garland says, this thing's worth $28,000. And as long as he doesn't transact it, he can, he can tell all of us, this thing is valuable. It's, it's old. It's good and everything. But it has no value to him until he transacts it, until it comes into the now realm. So things that we have in our lives that are not able to be parlayed today, transacted today, have no value. They have a potential value. They have an investment value. They have a, a someday value, perhaps, perhaps not. People lose money on their investments all the time, don't they? They do. They go busted, especially in 08. A bunch of them went down the tubes. But uh, uh, a treasure, if you hoard it, it has no value until you transact it. Now, if you get in your car this morning and, and you'd gone to work and, uh, and everywhere you go, then that car has value today. And if you go to sell it, it, it would have a value as well. So hoarded rich, riches, hoarded riches, things that are in our lives that are hoarded, that are not available for transaction today, not available. Our hearts in them. Oh, I couldn't sell that precious moment thing. 
that thing, that someday that thing's going to be valuable. <laughs> Y'all know? Oh, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> easy, easy. Uh, so, so hoarding things, the things that are hoarded, and that, that's not a good word, but it's a word that we can use. We kind of understand it, that what it means is, is things that are in our life that we're keeping for another day, they, they are gathered for another day. Hoarded things are gathered and kept for another day. Are y'all with me? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Now I'm going to take you somewhere tonight that I, I don't know anybody that's ever gone. So we, you, you, you pay attention so you, you can say that's a bunch of stuff if you want to. But we're going to chew on it. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be a big old long piece of jerky and we're going to chew on it and see if it pays. Because I told you last week, nobody, the church does not have an answer for finances in the church. The church does not have an answer. And lots of people are, are uh, misled or misinformed or just plain greedy, just greedy, gut greedy about wealth. And they just use the scriptures because you can do it with anything. You can use scriptures to make any point, to make any truth. They just use them to satisfy their own greed. So we, we got to know what is the answer about money in the church? Do we, need to be, do we need to say that we're practically living in a camping tent here when there's cathedrals all over the world that are such a sight to look at? And you go, wow, if only we could be there. Or if we would look at them and say, wouldn't be there. It's drafty. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at what the Word says. In this two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, our financial chapters, they tell us about our money. And there's more scriptures about money in the New Testament than there are about than any other subject or close. Why, why would God talk about money? Money's dirty. It's filthy lucre. It's, uh, it's evil and all those things. That's what people think. Well, actually, it's because there's so much temptation for us to be led astray and to get the wrong idea and use what was sent for good for bad. It's like the best parts of marriages, of, of marriage. You know, it, it can be so misused. And money is the same way. It can be so misused. So it says in chapter 8, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, so he's been talking in chapter 7 about a lot of stuff. And he says, More, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Did y'all hear those superlatives? That'd be yes, I think. And to their power, the word is translated ability, and to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying with us, praying us with much entreaty, how do you say that word? Entreaty. That we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
So they begged us, get involved. Is that right? Get involved, not just us four and no more, get involved. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. That's a powerful statement right there. Uh, verse 5 uh, in the Passion says, They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. Ah, when, when's the last time you went through the Bible and said, I, I'm going to find a promise that makes him happy? Everybody knows you harvest promises, so to make you happy, make me happy, make us happy. By his stripes, I was healed. He became poor, that we'd be rich. He says, no, this one makes God happy. Verse 6, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in, the, in you the same grace also. So now he's calling this a grace, this thing about ministering to other people. He's calling it a grace. And verse 7, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, in your love to us, comma, see that you abound in this grace also. So he's setting a priority on it, didn't he? He's saying this is important. The same things he listed here, he said, same old, same old. I speak not by commandment, by a, but by occasion of the forwardness to others and to prove the sincerity of your love. The passion in that one says, mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. And that's what Garland did this evening. That's what we do on Sundays. We, we testify of the goodness of God. We, we mention that and it enthuses all of us. No telling how many junkyards are going to be plundered next week for a Nissan wheel. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're enthusiastic. Well, no, that wasn't the point. But that when it seemed impossible and the naysayer says, good luck here. Somebody just was happened to be there just when he was there. Someone just happened to know. Someone just happened to the whole thing. It worked out. So it was perfect. And you go, well, that's no big deal. That's just a, a Nissan wheel. It was important to him. And stuff that's important to me and important to you, it's important to God. And so we need to enthuse one another. We need to stir up one another and say, if God did it for me, I guess he'd do it for you. And so that uh, verse nine, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, for your sakes, for your sakes, didn't need to for his sake, for your sakes, he became poor. The word there is, uh, is uh, beggarly. That ye through his poverty might be rich. The Passion says, although he was infinitely rich, digging the Greek a little there, infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. Say it with me, beyond measure. Now, beyond measure is something that goes past the head. We measure, we reason out of the head. We calculate in the head. We, we get the nine times nine is 81 thing in the head. We, we, we stop at stop signs in the head. But he said, this is beyond reason. Oh, I like that. Because then I can't just figure it out. I've got to sit back and get in faith about it. 
and say, you know, I need some of that beyond reason stuff in my life. That'd be, that'd be handy to have that, uh, that we could become rich beyond measure. I can tell you, I can measure. And in our society now, when they start barking about 31, 32 trillion dollar national debt, none of us can get our head around that, but we've heard the word. Verse 10, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. So he said these guys, they, they, they got fired up. They got enthused. They got excited about something. And like a lot of projects or things, you, the initial wave goes over and what you've got is what's left. Have you ever done that? Got excited about something and then maybe even bought it? And then the next week, you're like, ah, I don't even like blue. <laughs> We've all been there, I think. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance uh, also out of that which ye have. Verse 12, for, now here, here we are, we said that to say this. For if there be first a willing mind, first, first, a willing mind. Everybody got a willing mind in here? We're, we're, we are, we are, bring it, Lord, bring it. We're not afraid. You, you may get past us, but we're going to go a long way with you. If first there be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. Now, you ought to put a little star by there or yellow star if you have one or a little hootie doo circle that because this is important. Now, I would assume not here, but we're on broadcast and there's just lots of things that we've all come through. But a lot of people don't give because they don't have what they want to give. I can hardly tell you as a pastor how many times in years past people said, I'm going to prosper, pastor, I'm... I got this message on prosperity down and I'm going to town with it. And when I make my first hundred thousand, you can bet you, bet you, I'll be here with that 10 grand. I'll be there with the bell on. And I used to roll my eyes, but I don't even roll my eyes anymore. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> you just know, you know what that is, that they're measuring their life based on what they don't have. And so they're disqualifying. They say, we can't give because we got bills. And we're, we're mortgaged up. And, and it looked like the washing machine's on its last leg. And we got to save up for a, you know, a rainy day fund for the washing machine. And, you know, on and on and on. So they say, we don't. We can't. Uh, the world I came up in is uh, the farmer world. And the farmer world is, is that at the end of the year, all farmers, they want to avoid the tax man. So if we have any money at all, we go out and buy a tractor. And that way we get a tax write-off on that and that makes our income practically none. Now there's a capital gains at the end of the story. If you ever sell everything, he cometh, the tax man cometh. But on that day and hour, you'd go buy a tractor. So what happens is these farmers get to the end of the year and they'll say, I didn't make anything. Didn't make anything. Look at my accountant. He'll tell you, yep, didn't, didn't made $10,000 is all you made. Well, it was all manipulated. It was all strategized. It was all according to taxes. 
And you know the Lord doesn't care about taxes. And so that's the world I came from. And, but it's still out there based on giving according to what you don't have versus what you do have. And I'm always reminded, I tell it over and over about Kenneth Copeland, his first service, finding the, wanting to give in the offering and found the pencil that they gave him to fill out his visitor card. And him saying, I guess this is my pencil, I'm a visitor. And so he put the pencil in the offering. And the rest is history. He's one of the greatest givers on the planet, as far as we know. Uh, verse 12 says, uh, if the intention and desire there, listen to this, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Oh, your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. So don't wait to make a show. Don't wait to say, Lord, I've been, giving, I've been waiting a long time to give you this $1,000 and you hadn't given anything up to that. I'm just, I'm just improvising here according to what the word says. Uh, but but what, I, what I understand from it is the amount doesn't matter relative to other people. But it does matter relative to what you have. So if you're waiting to give God that $10,000 tithe or gift or whatever, and you're just not going to touch it, anything, until you get to there, the word kind of implies that you're tipping. You're just, you're not really, no tipping. No tipping in the kingdom. You know, we always, people tip bad when they've got bad service. Well, according to a lot of people in other churches, they got bad service all the time. <laughs> oh, bad service in church. He, he didn't do it. He, uh. <laughs> Amen. So the amount doesn't matter to God, but it does matter according to what you have after you give. Well, I'm waiting for that $10,000 gift. I, I, I don't want to give anything till then. Well, enough of that. Uh, hold your finger there. Put your... Put your finger in there and go to Exodus. Uh, well, then we'll have to go back. I missed something here. So go to Exodus chapter, let's see, 16. Brother Joe would say, see if you're flowing. Just open the Bible and see where it turned up. Exodus 16. Now, I'm going to go back and read two more verses of this because I, I left. I left out two nuggets here. Uh, Verse 13, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality, but by an equality that now at this time, you could translate that right now. Now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Verse 15, as it is written, so we're fixing to go to Exodus and see where it was written. He that had gathered much had nothing left over. Did y'all get that? And he that had gathered little had no lack. Where'd that come from? Well, it's in Exodus chapter 16. And in verse 6, it says, we're going to read a few verses here because this is kingdom. I want to teach y'all about kingdom and we want to straighten money out. The word says that we, if we give, it'll be given to us. The word says that we have all sufficiency in all things. The word says that he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Where is it? 
if we know so much and we don't want to listen to this prattle, then we ought to be prosperous. You ought to have some stuff if you've got it figured out. And if you don't have it figured out, well, then listen. Exodus chapter 16, verse 6, that came out a little harder than I meant for it to, but, but nevertheless, we can all learn about our money because you just get one ride through this life. There's no like, oh, well, right after I died, I figured it out and I'm going to come back as a rich man. No, probably it's over, don't you think? Verse 6, and Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel at, at even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. He said, pay attention tonight. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses said, y'all are taking it personal now. You're getting after the clergy. And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the morning, excuse me, in the evening, flesh to eat. That would be quail. Y'all, if we read somewhere else, we'll see that was quail. They came in in such numbers. I wish I'd have looked it up. Somewhere I've got it. How many thousands of tons flew in to feed 600,000 people every evening? You know, quails are not that big. It's, it's not like a condor flew in or something. It's, and in the morning, bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we, that your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord? Oh. So if we talk about somebody, we're really talking about the Lord, he's implying here. And Moses spake unto Aaron, say, say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. <laughs> it sounds like timeout's coming. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread. For ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now look at that. It is the goodness of God that leads you to change. Instead of whacking them like opening up a, a hole, which he did with Korah, he just said, I've heard your murmurings that you say we don't get any bread and we don't get any meat. He said, I'm fixing to show out. I'm fixing to bring you both. That's not what religion says. Religion's always talking about God, that if you get crossways with him, he's going to whack you. He's going to put you under. He's going to make you sick. He's going he's to hurt you. And it's just not God. He's not our God. Now, it could be some gods we could mention, but we won't. And it came to pass that at 13, that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. In the morning, the dew lay round a, around the host, about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. <laughs> we used to watch a program or hear a program from a major ministry, and it was called, uh, uh, it was called manna, like it was something that you'd want to eat. But actually, if you get in the word here, it says manna means, what is it? <laughs> what is it? I just had to bring that in. I didn't have to, but I did anyway. Uh, verse 16. Uh, 
This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it of it, every man according to his eating. According to his what? Eating. eating. Oh, according to his eating. That's an important word there. According to the number of your persons, take ye every one man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing left over. Oh, he that gathered much had nothing left over. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, <laughs> they wanted some leftover pizza in the morning. You know, you, you, you've seen that. There's just more in the box than you could get through supper. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning. And it bred worms and stank. Don't y'all love the Bible word that's like that? Stank. It just stank. That sounds southern to me. It, it stank. It stinketh. Ah, I like that word. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Let's see where I am. Uh, yeah. I don't think I want to go that far just yet. Anyway, uh, let's just stop there for a moment. In verse six, 16, he, he said, uh, uh, every man according to his eating or according to, you know, if you put Junior in the high chair in the morning and you, you pass Cheerios all around, he, he, he gets a half a cup and two thirds of that's all over the floor probably. But daddy, you know, oh, he, he wants three cups of Cheerios. I have a big mixing bowl that's about this tall. That's what I put my Cheerios in. <laughs> so they don't spill out. So uh, every man's different. He said, according to his eating, let him get off of the, the, the branches and off the ground the, uh, the manna, according to his eating. And he says, them that gathered much going to beat the system. Going to beat the system. You think they quit trying to beat the system? Beating the system is the religious Goal is to beat the system. The Lord said there's, it's a narrow way. Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father except by him. Ah, we're going to find another way. And they're still looking. Try to get it by works or by sacrifice or by suffering or whatever. So, um, uh, according to your eating. Now, I want to make a point here because I'm not going to make it to the end, but I want to I get this far. According to your eating. So there's a, this is, this is Exodus. The closer to the first book of Genesis that any scripture is, the more foundational it is in the, in the, in the law of God's system. So this is Exodus chapter 16. It's pretty close. So God's laying down some law. Now it will change in the new covenant. Aren't you glad we're not on the manna trail, you know? He said, according to your eating. Philippians 4.19 says he will supply all your need or all your eating according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what he said he would do. Well, what's need, Lord? I, yeah, and you can make it anything you want. You, you can actually uh, work the system from the Godward end. But he said he shall supply all your need according to his riches. So the, 
manna was according to your need. And New Testament says it's, he supplies according to your need. Well, how much do you supply, Lord? Well, we'll have to work out that word need and that word eating. But that seems to be the standard how God works in our finances. You go, oh, this is going to make me poor. I, we're not going to be able to get a new car because it's just according to our eating. I'm telling you, this thing is deep and wide. It's broad. It's big. It's, it's good. But we've got to understand how it works so that we'll always affiliate with the truth. No more sneaky, sneaky around the end. No more, no more gaming the system. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody here. Of course not. But I'm telling you, it's out there everywhere, all where. Verse 18 said, he that gathered much had nothing left over. And he that gathered little had no lack. And then it says, they gathered every man according to his eating. Now back to where were we? Verse 22 it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, there's a snitch in every camp. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord hath said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Now listen, this is important. Bake that which ye will bake today and seethe or boil that ye will boil and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. It was the Sabbath. Oh, so you can't get any more by laying up on Sunday. Working seven days will not get you any more than working six days. You go, well, that's the law. Well, yeah, it is. You, you couldn't walk so many steps back then. You couldn't get your ox out of the ditch. There was all sorts of things because the Lord couldn't just trust them to say, I see that, Lord. I'll do that because they, they were dark. They were dead in their spirit. They, there was no life there, no communication with God. It was soul to soul, as it were. So he had to treat them like children. If I have to tell you again, we're going to time out. Or whatever. That's how, he, that's how he dealt with them in the Old Testament. So uh, he said Saturday or the day before the Sabbath. I guess that'd be Friday. He said gather twice as much. So apparently there was twice as much to gather. Or maybe there was plenty every day and so that's why they overgathered. But they would gather for, for the Sabbath on that day and it did not stink. Uh, there's spiritual law here. There's truth here. There's revelation here. And the truth is... Six days is all it takes for you and I to get everything that we need. And the seventh day is God's. Whether it's on Saturday or if you work Sundays, you get off on Wednesday. Every day, every week, like the tithe, is God's. It's holy. And he will make you have as much or more in less days than you can do in all your days. Do you all see that? So I love uh, Hobby Lobby. I love uh, Chick-fil-A. I love them because they know it. They know it. We have to go, to, what, we have to go around the corner and go to this restaurant or that, but they, they, those people know it. Okay, an adequate supply comes in six days. There is no increase in seven 
I, when I was farming, I, I figured that out. I would go out and turn my water off on Sunday morning and come home. Because if you go out to switch your water, which means drain the line, move it up, crank up the engine, crank up the well, get it all pressurized. That was the day old Billy broke loose and everything fell apart. Nothing would go right on that day. I mean, it seemed like. So I just turned it off. If it, if, back there we sand fault. You have a sand fighter, right? If it rains, it crusts over the ground. And if the wind blows within a day and a half of the rain drying out, I mean the ground drying out, it will burn every cotton plant on the farm and you will have to plant over. There, there's no negotiating. If you don't sand fight, you are a fool. You are rolling it, you are. And uh, I just decided one day, my dad got, he, it made his liver quiver, I can tell you. I told him I wasn't gonna sand fight anymore on Sunday. And it never rained before the weekend again that I would have to sand fight. I never lost a single plant. I'm telling you, you can't lose with the stuff we use. Amen. Uh, oh, I knew that clock would be mean tonight. Second Corinthians. Well, you're already there. Let's just go back to there. Uh, chapter, where were we? We were in chapter 8 of Second Corinthians. Go back to verse 13 and we'll, we'll wind her up. Because we all need something to chew on anyway, don't we? Verse 13 of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened. So, he's not saying if you give and somebody else doesn't give, that the need will cause you to fall on you. Verse 14, But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance may also be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Oh, what is the purpose of giving? What's the purpose of abundance? Well, it's to stack it up. It's to have some in the old secret place. It's to have some banked up. That's what it's for. Reminds me, I, I, I've repeated it this week to somebody, that they did a survey of Christians in American, American Christians, they said, what is the purpose that God has for you on this earth? And 60, I think it's 64%, it's somewhere in there, said to enjoy his creation. That's my purpose, to enjoy God's creation. We, we go to the beach, we go to the mountains, we go to the Grand Camp, we go and enjoy God's creation. Well, is there any other purpose? Nope, that's it. That's all there is. So you can see how getting a nest egg or getting yourself an accumulation would fit into the world system, but it might be contrary to the kingdom system. It's not that God doesn't have one. It's just it's not that. Oh, you mean faith's going to be involved? Yes. But you can't hold on to anything in the world without your faith anyway. I got my investments and I'm not taking a chance on God. <laughs> Call me and tell me how that worked out in 10 years. Your investments and your whatever. Um, oh, I got, I got to get this. Verse, uh, verse 15. Here it is. As it is written, 
we just looked at it. He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Well, it sounds like socialism. It sounds like God wants us all the same. So I drew $1,000 this week. Did you get 1100 ah, ah, 50 50 Back to me, 50 We need to both be making 1050 That's not it at all. It's according to your need, according to your eating. Junior there, he doesn't need many Cheerios, but Papa, he's going he's gonna to take the whole box to work. And so there's a difference there. I really need to wait for it to get it right, but I will tell you that you and I make our own eating. If you want abundance, and we do, we do. We're spiritual. We don't want nothing from God. You are, your pants are smoking up the room. We, that's just not true. None of us, we are reward-oriented. We are wired to be rewarded. We work off rewards. The Lord made us that way. He likes that. He, he works in that system of setting the reward in front of us and that we, we work out whatever it takes to get the reward. Salvation and on down. Healing and on down. But uh, the reason some people don't have anything is because they have no eating. They don't need anything. I need a lot. It takes a lot of money to keep my ministry going. Because we're not the, poor, we're not the poor, poor boy ministry over here. We gots a lot. That's what I am. Sir gots a lot. <laughs> well, I have to quit with that. I don't want to. Uh, but we're going to go to Second Corinthians. We're going to go to Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine and chapter nine, and we're going to see how that we that that He makes all grace abound toward us, that we having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Oh, there's a factor in there. It takes more manna to keep some of us going than it does others. More, more everything. More American dollars. I mean, I, it, it, you look at me and say, it doesn't take much to keep him going. You have no idea what's inside of me. But I know that thing is inside of you. Just because we don't talk about it and we don't flaunt it around. It's big inside. And stacking it up is not what we're thinking about. We're making a dash for the end right now of all generations. We know we can't take it. We know there's not going to be any great-grandchildren in our will or whatever in the sense of we're going to live to be 106. I say we know. We have a propensity to believe that Jesus is coming back soon. So along that line. But even if you want to live to be 106, bless your darling heart, don't call me to pray for you. I'm, I'm going to be sitting in my rocking chair somewhere else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, i got to quit there. The clock has betrayed me again.